Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Welcome to the Situation Room. Welcome to the Situation Room. Welcome to the Situation Room. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of The Situation Room. I'm here with my co-host, Gabe Ferguson. Um, we are inching closer and closer to the start of the season, uh, Gabe. And, you know, you guys can check us out on Twitter. I'm at Raven's Sit Room. Um, he's at Gabe Fergie. But uh, it's starting to get exciting and feels like we, we've got football right around the corner now. Yeah, you know, I think this has been a really different type of preseason the way that the, it's been formatted is different than what we've had in the past you know obviously three games versus four um there's like a two week gap between the last preseason game and the start of the regular season so it's just kind of like a different kind of sequencing of of what we're getting used to and, and it's also been interesting to see how teams have kind of attacked the preseason with like what players are playing or not playing you know we saw patrick mahomes like play like a whole half like just this past week in preseason game two. And then a lot of starters are not playing at all. I don't think we're going to see Lamar Jackson in this preseason. I don't, I don't know. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think we'll see him for a series or two. Um, I think if, if Stanley is going to play, I, as long as Stanley is playing, I would be surprised if Lamar is not playing. And I think that would be more for cohesion reasons than anything else, just to, to get that feel. Yeah. I, I don't know if either one of them is going to be out there, to be honest. It's like, what is the purpose at this point? I mean, do you really need to see them on the actual NFL field? I, I I think for me, this next game would be like just putting your depth guys out there and hoping you don't get any injuries. Yeah, I think there might be a little bit of something to this idea that you want them to prep like they're going to actually play for the game, go through that process of preparing and then go through that adrenaline rush of like actually being on the field, even if it's for just one drive or even just a handful of snaps, I'd be okay with that. I, you know, I think that, yeah, there's, potential downside risk of injury but like at the same time also like that that's gonna ha like if that happens on the first snap of this game it could have just as likely been the first snap of week one um and so i think if you keep that super limited i'm okay with it but i'm also okay with them not doing it you know i go back and forth um you know i, I think if, if you know we want to talk a little bit about kind of what where things stand with camp and kind of the ravens overall you know it really seems like the ravens have taken the boxing gloves off and there, there are 
they're just they're toning it all back here at camp. If if you are if if you stubbed your toe on the way into the locker room this week, you're not practicing for the next three days right now. Um, and so I could see them taking that same approach with with the preseason. Yeah, I mean that's that's kind of the direction I'm coming from, and I don't I just want the team to be healthy going into the regular season. You know, there have been a lot of like nicks, um, little bangs and bumps here and there in training camp. Fortunately, it seems like we've missed out on having any significant injuries aside from LJ Fort. I mean, that's, that's really unfortunate because I was, I was pretty excited to, you know, get him back um, on the team after they released him. I thought that he was going to be someone who would be, you know, a valuable kind of reserve linebacker. He can, you know, fill in for Patrick Queen or Harrison if one of them were good to go down. And I think he, you know, he brings a different element in terms of what he can do in the terms of his coverage skills um, and not having him out there um, might be, a little bit of an issue as the season goes along. But if we are thinking that Harrison and, you know, Queen kind of take a, a, a step forward in their development, I think it might not be a huge issue having, having him go down. Yeah. It has been really nice that, you know, the Ravens have not sustained some major injuries so, so far through camp. And, you know, that's going to make some of these decisions kind of tough down the road, but it's also made it pretty tough to evaluate, or it seems like tough to evaluate anything up to this point. I mean, the wide receiver situation, I think is the one that deserves and the offensive line, honestly, as we've, we've led up to this past week, um, the offensive line was non-existent from a starter's perspective. Um, you know, we've obviously started to see them come together. And, and I think that, that it's been nice to see them get back out there. It's nice to know that Stanley's practicing. It feels like things are headed in the right direction. I mean, how how comfortable are you with this offensive line and where it's headed right now? Yeah, you know, we talked after uh, the week one game about some of our concerns potentially with the offense. Um, are, are there some things that we would like to see um, in terms of like the unit coming together, gelling a little bit. Yes. I would like to see that. Um, I think there's still obviously the kind of undecided left guard position. And that might be something that could still be up in the air and partially decided in this, in this practice and this final preseason game. I'm not sure how much weight is going to be given to one game versus, you know, a couple weeks of practice, but there have been a number of guys who've been out um, for various lengths of time. And, you know, I'm not sure who the guy is going to finally kind of come through. I think I've mentioned that Ben Powers to me might be the, the best option there just because of his starting experience. Tyree Phillips has also started a little bit at guard for the Ravens. And then obviously Cleveland, he's the third round pick that has a size, you know, but he's kind of looked a little bit raw too. And he's been out with the concussion issue. So that to me is probably the biggest question mark. I'm more concerned about the offensive line than I think the wide receiver position, um, just because the wide receivers, you know, there's already some chemistry there with Hollywood. Um, you know, I, th- I think Sammy Watkins is a professional. He's he's someone who's been there and done that. He, I think he'll come in and, and have a good feel when he's ready to go. And then, I mean, Bateman is the biggest kind of concern, I think, in terms of a like skill position player on the offense. I mean, he's going to be missing a pretty significant part of, of the, you know, the preseason and training camp. And I would have really liked to see him out there in pads. Um, but um, that's something that I'm probably just most looking forward to seeing him, actually just seeing him in action. So I, I'm not too concerned with the overall situation, but um, it's going to be kind of interesting to see how this week one game, you know, shakes out with the limited amount of reps I think we have seen from the Ravens starters. 
Yeah, you know, I'm not all that. I'm not super worried about either the offensive line or the wide receiver position. I think that I think that you know you you pretty much covered in a, a, where the offensive line is. I think I think Phillips is is going to be in there at left guard if I had to guess right now, starting in week one, just because I think he brings a little more versatility um, in terms of what he brings to your scheme. But you know, the wide receiver group. And, and I think this is a broader issue for the Ravens team as a whole, but the wide receivers group has not been able to be out there enough to kind of work through any significant kind of new scheme or new approach or changes or whatever those things are. And like you said, a couple of these guys are new in terms of Bateman and in terms of Watkins. How is that all going to come together? I trust it to come together pretty quickly, but I also would have liked to see the Ravens at least take an approach or the ability to have the approach to do more in the passing game if they wanted to in week one to set that up for week two. Um, and and I'm saying, I've am saying i been saying this to anybody that will listen to me, um, that Kansas City week two is a huge, huge game. It is a significant game on the schedule that, that you know, when we're considering how the Ravens want to approach the 53-man roster, especially as it exists on those short-term IR spots, that's a factor that they might want some guys available for that Kansas city game that might not be ready to play in week one and may not be ready for the Kansas city game, but we want them there. All that being said, you know, what are they really trying to accomplish with this wide receiver group? You know, it, it frustrates me that we come out in the preseason and we've run essentially, essentially the same thing, like short crossers to the tight end or to the wide receiver, like that flex back, like tight end or like crosser behind the line of scrimmage look like power runs and nothing else. And I get that they want to see the basic performance. They want to do some basic evaluation stuff, but I would have loved to see the Ravens put some stuff on tape that they would never plan to use because the whole league would have been watching their preseason games and trying to see if there was anything to be revealed in there. No one has to study what they did now. They, the Ravens have basically eliminated their ability to play any chess with what they're putting onto film in this preseason. And I don't think that's a, a terrible thing. Um, but I think that it's a missed opportunity, one, to give reps to the wide receivers in some of those looks in game action in a way that we, you know, that they haven't experienced yet. And B, to just put the rest of the league on notice that don't bring everybody up into the box because we are going to throw up more and we're dedicated to, you know, we're showing you we're going to do that by having all our second stringers constantly throw the ball, um, you know, but the, Greg Roman obviously and, and the Ravens didn't want to do that. Yeah. I mean, I think Roman came out was it yesterday and basically said that they're not putting anything out there. Like it's just yeah. not what they want to do in preseason. And, you know, I think there's different approaches to it. Like you said, you could go and show things and kind of like put some, interesting wrinkles that you want to kind of like just have out there that teams have to think about. On the other hand, if you don't put anything out there, they don't know what to expect. And maybe you're saying that we're just going to see what we have always seen from the Ravens, or at least from the past couple of years where they're going to be, you know, pound, pound, pound it, do a little bit of, you know, Lamar Jackson, you know, glitz and glamor here and there. And, um, hope that you can just dominate teams uh, running the ball. And then I think, I think the, thing that I'm interested in seeing is can the Ravens, you know, incorporate some of the different types of offensive scheme changes that we haven't really seen from them. Like, I, th I feel like they've been very similar in terms of like their run style. I mean, they, they did do like, you know, they kind of went to like the counter bash thing last year, midway through the season, but you know, the, the run game is pretty much power. It's, it's a lot of power. Um, 
are they going to do some different things in that? Are they going to have Lamar more under center? You know, they talked about that earlier um, in the offseason. And Greg Roman said that they want to have Lamar more under center. That, I mean, opens up some different kind of play action potential. And then, like, I don't know. How are we going to use the wide receivers? Is it going to be, like, just more of the same thing? Um, maybe just having better players out there means that there's going to be more opportunities for them. But if we're going to be running the same concepts, I'm not sure how often they're going to be used. So, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm just curious to see what, what, what the new offensive mindset is. We have these new offensive coaches. Um, you know, I think, I feel like we talked about it ad nauseum last year about, you know, the, the plays in terms of running the ball and first down, running the ball in sec- second and short, um, just kind of like keeping the chains moving, putting yourselves in what you think should be like optimal position to convert. Um, but I'd like to see them be more aggressive early, um, passing more on first down. I think that is kind of where this offense needs to evolve into. And I think now that you have some more weapons, um, that's where I'd like to see it go. And that's the thing that I'm hoping the next step for this offense to be at. Yeah. Well, you know, they, we just have to wait and see. And I think some of, some of my feelings on this are impatience for the start of the season. I'm ready to actually see the Ravens do something to analyze something, to not be talking about practice and who is and who isn't practicing and, and who we think is and isn't, you know, going to be around. It's all interesting stuff and it, it's all to be revealed here shortly, but you know, to me, it's all talk. Uh, we get 17 weeks of football and um, I, I know in that sense, I'm ready for it. So you know, in that regard, why don't we go through some of these guys that are left on the roster? And, you know, when we're talking about the 53 man, I think there are probably a handful of guys that are in an interesting position for the Ravens. We can just kind of go back and forth as we kind of talk through those. I think a lot of guys are, are set in stone in terms of, you know, they're going to make the roster or whatnot. So, um, you know, I'll kick it off, you know, and I'll take the I'll, I'll take a, a I'll leave Tyson Williams for you and I'll take uh, Miles Boykin to kick us off here. Um, I think he's a really interesting guy to keep an eye on because he is. In some ways, and, and I talked with Film Study um, earlier today on a different podcast about this. He is kind of the, the main X receiver you have right now with Bateman and Watkins being potentially a little bit banged up. So that might save his roster spot. But, um, you know, he's a guy that was targeted like under 40 times last year. He's a great run blocker, does a little bit on special teams. But you've got all these other guys and all this other talent in the wide receiver locker room right now. Um, I, I think at the end of the day, if there's some upside on a guy on a, on a, you know, year one contract, that the Ravens want to keep around. Um, there's a, a decent chance that miles Boykin is not part of this initial 53 man roster. Yeah. I, I don't see him making the roster and I'm not sure how healthy he is. Is he back to practice? I haven't seen if he's practiced. So I think that means he's going to be IR'd. I think, you know, I feel like there's a good chance that the Ravens want to see one more year out of him, um, in his fourth year, that might be, you know, that's his last chance to kind of make an impression. Um, this year, they don't really need him on the roster, I don't think. I mean, yes, he is kind of that prototypical, like, X, like you said. But I think Rashad Bateman, assuming he can come back healthy, and Sammy Watkins both fit that profile. So uh, between the two of them, I would imagine that there's going to be someone who can stay on the field. And, you know, if not, you know, the, the Ravens have enough depth of wide receiver they, they can make it work they have enough depth at other positions you know you can do more of a two tight end heavy attack i think assuming that boyle can come back um i think that there is probably i would say less than a 10 percent chance that boykin is on like the opening day roster um and, and that's kind of how i'm looking at this in the, in the lens of who's going to be starting in week one or who's going to be on the team in week one i just don't see that happening for boykin and i think you know Watkins is here on a one-year deal so it kind of makes sense that if he's going to be gone after one year then boykin still has that one year to come in and maybe you know 
put in a good off season and come into training camp and like really get everything right. And he still has that one final year to kind of make things work. But, um, that, that's just how I see it for, um, you know, you, you mentioned well, Tyson everybody, Lee. everybody here, hear it here first on in the situation room. I think we're Gabe and I are two of the few people that think that Boykin is definitively not going to be on the roster. So that's our, that's our hot take. <laughs> I, is that really a hot take? I mean, it's surprising I, to me. I've not seen him. I've not seen him left off any other roster projections kind of amongst many of the prognosticators other than, than us so far. So, so, so I guess my question then is who, what are they really going to carry seven wide receivers? Is Tylen Wallace not going to make the team? Is James Prochet not going to make the team? Those to me have way more upside. Is Devin Duvernay? I mean, you're, you're, you're preaching to the choir here. I, I, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just pulling this moment out as our hot take for when Boykin doesn't make the roster so that we can, we can wrap ourselves. All right. Well, I, I'm surprised to, I mean, maybe I haven't been paying attention to the Ravens blogosphere as much as you have, but it seems like, Boykin to me is like a very slim chance of, of being there, but that Ken's got him. Ken's got him on the roster and and active and potentially to the short term IR, but, but making the first wave of cuts um, and, and being an eligible player this year. So, you know, that could happen. I could see him making the first wave of cuts and then landing on the, uh, on the short term IR. Um, There's potential for that, especially with Bateman um, potentially starting out, um, in a similar situation and you don't know the timeline necessarily of how those are, those are going to line up. Um, and you do have some flexibility with some of the players on the roster, like, you know, your Anthony Levine's, your Pernell McPhee's people, you can kind of do the handshake deal. We're going to let you go, but we're going to bring you back. Um, so you have room for a couple of players and maybe, um, even Nick Boyle. I mean, Nick Boyle probably doesn't work that way with his, with his contract, but, um, Tomlinson and Ken and I were talking about this earlier. Um, Tomlinson is, has four years of service, okay. so he's eligible. Um, and then Justin Ellis and Chris Smith. Mm-hmm. Okay. You've so got five guys. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so so that definitely gives you a little bit of flexibility there. Then, but I mean, for me, he's still to me, he's still not going to be on the f- game day roster or, or even like the inactive roster on week week one. So that's my take there. Um, Tyson Williams, I I'm I'm still torn. I'm a little torn between him and Justice Hill. I still think Justice Hill has some upside that Williams doesn't have. Um, I, I would lean towards Williams if I'm like prognosticating, like if I'm like putting on my, you know, my tinfoil hat and saying who has a better chance, I'd say it's probably like a 60, 40 split, but I, I just, I can't get away from justice Hill completely. And if it was up to me, it's kind of a coin flip. So. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that there's a real value to Hill being on the roster in a way that Williams doesn't. I think that the differentiators between the two of them, seem to me to be Hill's ability to play special teams, Williams' ability to pass block. Um, and those are the two areas where they kind of bring their own game. I don't see Justice Hill as having more upside from what I've seen in terms of running ability than Tyson Williams at this point. Um, but I do see the value of him potentially getting a roster spot. You know, I, I'm really, I, I'm sure that the Ravens at this stage are putting calls into all the teams and starting to get feelers around you know, where there's interest in other players and whether people might be willing to trade for anybody. So I think they're going to have a good sense of what Hill's status is around the rest of the league. And I think that might also potentially dictate his ability to stay on the roster if they think that somebody is going to scoop him up right away. Yeah, I, I mean, I really like Williams. I think he's shown a lot in, in the two preseason, preseason games. Um, I'm not in Maryland, in, in Baltimore, so I'm not at training camp, you know, watching these guys. Um, so I, I can't really speak to how they're practicing. Um, but 
but I, I think that, you know, he, he's definitely has the juice. He has some power. He has, you know, some wiggle to him. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. Like you said, he can pass protect. I've been impressed by him. Um, he hasn't ever played against NFL ones though. So <laughs> that's always a thing you have to remember about preseason. Like it, a lot of the times you're, you're going against guys who aren't going to make rosters. And I'm not sure is, is he really like at that level to do those things he, he, that we're seeing right now in preseason that he can do in like when it comes to like the real, you know, bodies flying around. So that's always my question about the preseason. We've seen guys in the preseason do really well and then never do anything after that. So that's why I'm giving a slight lean towards Hill. He still has two years. He has elite athleticism. There are issues with him for sure. I'm not going to deny that, but we have seen him out there in NFL games and he has made plays in NFL games and he's made some bad plays in NFL games, but he's also made some really good ones. So, um, there, there's, there's I think he's made two. <laughs> but that, that being said, I, I want nothing but the best for Justice Hill. I want him to prove me absolutely wrong. I want him to clean up his ability to, to make decisions and to see the field in front of him and be a really successful Ravens. I, I want him to be the running back the Ravens thought he could be. And, and you are right that there's upside in that. It's just we've had two years to see that upside in a, in a scheme that is designed to maximize runners' abilities, and he hasn't been able to do it. Um, and, and that's my concern. But, you know, I, I think we're on the record as to both how of us, we both feel about Justice Hill. So um, I want to move to uh, a, a guy at tackle, and I'm actually going to cheat here. I'm going to lump two guys in because I, I was thinking about this after I talked to Ken, and we did a podcast about the 53-man. Um, and so the initial guy I was going to talk about was Adrian Ely. I think the rest of the guys in the middle of this, you know, that, that Tristan Colon Castillo, Macari, Breedson, like that whole kind of bunch of guys in the middle, like I could really kind of care less one way or the other, which of them kind of get in and which of them don't. Um, so I bring up Ely cause I think they're all, the, I think they all have their own strengths and weaknesses, but I think they're all kind of the same guy. That's why I say that I care that the Ravens pick the best guy, but I think that in the end, whichever one we pick, I'm going to be fine with. Um, Ely is an interesting guy because he seems like a tackle project that the Ravens seem like they definitely need on the roster. Another name I, I'm going to throw out in conjunction with him is do the Ravens find a way to make space for Juwan James on this initial roster so he can be eligible to return in November, December, or the potentially the playoffs? So I'm not sure about this rule, but I think he's eligible for the pup. Because he hasn't practiced at all, so you can start him Ooh. on up. Um, that means you get. You I get think like, he's on the non-football injury list, though. Yeah, but I think you can still start him on pup. I'm pretty uh, sure that would be I, I that be would make the that. that would make the most sense. That I might be wrong about that, but that might be an opportunity for him. You know, I think you get like ten weeks to evaluate them too. You get I think they have to start practicing at six weeks. Yeah. Yeah. So so then I think there's like a four week window after that six weeks where you can you have, you can bring him into practice and you can evaluate where he is. I don't know how his injury is coming along, but I think he's someone who could be a difference maker if they could get him out there on the field. Um, Ely, you know, he has the upside. I think he's probably going to be a practice squad guy. If the Ravens can put him on there. Um, I, you know, he hasn't really, he's had some like nice flashes in the preseason, but once again, he's going up against like the, you know, the bottom of the barrel of the competition and he wasn't, to me, dominating. I think some people have kind of inflated what he was doing out there. To me, the guy I think is going to make the team is Michael Schofield. Um, he's been out there a little earlier than some of these other players in terms of um, when he's 
getting on the field. He has played left tackle. He has played, I think, some right tackle. He can play guard. He's been around the league. He's a vet. I think he's probably the best option the Ravens have right now as a swing tackle on their current roster. Um, just that experience alone gives him a leg up. And, you know, he might not be like a good starter. I think he's someone who can, he deserves to be on an NFL roster. He has some experience. He has some, you know, he's, he's got like the skills to, to do it if he needs to. So he's the guy that I think will be like the Ravens last offensive lineman. And if we're talking about the reserve offensive lineman real quick, um, you said Phillips starter. I think that might be the way it works out. I think we know like the rest of them who would be the starters. Um, and then you're t- talking about, I think you keep Makari. I think obviously Cleveland. Um, and then I think powers probably is also going to be on, on the roster. And and then it's, it's, you keep eight, nine, 10. I think you probably keep nine. I think go fields at ninth guy. And then that means Breedson's gone. It means Colon Castillo or, Cologne, I guess, is gone. Um, Ely, I think, would probably be gone. You might be able to get a couple of those on the practice squad. Um, but, you know, the Ravens have taken a lot of, like, kind of, like, swings at finding these players, um, and they haven't always connected. Um, there's some guys who are kind of, like, backup quality, but they need to hit on that guy who's going to be a starter for them. And I think between those, you know, guys we mentioned earlier, Cleveland, Phillips, um, I think one of those will end up being your like a solid left guard for them, I hope. Yeah. So, you know, getting back into kind of where, where a couple other interesting spots, obviously the Tomlinson Oliver battle is a potentially interesting one, depending on Nick Boyle's health. I think that ultimately both of them are going to see action and playing time for this Ravens team. So to me, and, and you can color, color this differently if you'd like, I think it's a little uninteresting in the sense that Tomlinson will be brought back one way or an, another either way and that, that the Ravens find a way to get both these guys in the fold. Yeah, I, I think that could definitely be the case for Tomlinson, who's someone who might start on the practice squad. He might be on the active game day roster a couple of days or a couple of weeks. And like you said, it probably depends a lot on Boyle. Um, I think Oliver is probably a more natural fit as like your third tight end just because he can do more as a pass catcher. Um, and not, 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 not Tomlinson can't catch the ball when he's open, but he's not going to be he doesn't have the athleticism that Oliver has. He's not someone who can run the seam. Um, I don't see him someone who's going to like break tackles and get much yard after the catch. I think Oliver can do a little bit more for you. So I, I, I do think Oliver makes the team as a third um, t- um, tight end. And he's probably someone who's going to be in, in the mix in, in the game plan a little bit, I think. Yeah, I think, it, I think it would be a surprise if he didn't make the roster. The other name on the offensive side that I'd throw out is Ben Mason. I think I think he's not going to make the roster. Zero um, chance. Yeah, but, you know, it, it was interesting when I was talking to Ken about this. He pointed out that Ricard had early offseason surgery um, and that that may have played a part in the Ravens' selection of him um, just as insurance. And now that yep. Ricard seems like he's fine, then, you know, maybe they're not as worried about it. So, um, you know, jumping over to the defensive side, you know, I think – one of the, the first names that jumps out to me is, you know, you were talking about LJ Fort and his importance um, is Christian Welsh and whether or not he's going to get an initial 53 man spot, whether the Ravens are going to try and sneak him through the, through waivers, which I think is most likely or whether or not, um, whether or not that he is kind of either stuck through and then brought back when there's an opportunity for week one after some spots open up for the short term IR. Where, where do you think that lands? Yeah. For me, Welch is really a special teams only guy. And I'm not sure the Ravens have the flexibility to keep a player like that on the roster right now. I don't think they need to have a fourth linebacker um, inside linebacker 
uh, in terms of what they're going to be doing on defense. So to me, he's someone who would probably go on the practice squad. I don't think another team's going to pick him up. Um, and then you can bring him up if needed, but he's not someone who's going to be like, I don't, I don't think you kind of lose a, a talented roster spot to one of the defensive backs that we're going to talk about to keep a guy like Welch. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Um, that, I just, I just don't see that happening. And, Maybe I'm wrong about that. I thought he played really well on special teams last year for the Ravens when he was out there. So that's, and he does bring that value. Um, but I feel like, you know, with some of the other guys who've shown out on special teams, I'm not sure he needs to be out there. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. And I think that in that sense, and, and I, you know, these guys are interesting to talk about as players, but I think that our Darius Washington, Gino Stone, and Brandon Stevens are essentially locked into their roster spots. I think the one other interesting name is, is uh, Nigel Warrior. And does he. Yeah. Does he make some noise in this last preseason game or find a way to force the Ravens to make sure that he's protected with his play? He's probably the one guy that has the the most by far to gain, I think, of any Raven in this last preseason. Yeah, I think Nigel Warrior is one of those true, like, I really don't know what way the Ravens are going to go with him. And it's kind of, and you know, we talked, to, you mentioned the name Chris Smith earlier, and I'm just going to put him in the same category because they've shown me things in the preseason on film. Um, and once again, preseason is hard to judge, but I think the Ravens like both of them. Um, and I think they both have some you know, ability that, that there'll be guys who will be on NFL rosters this year, one way or another. Um, it's going to be hard to see if the Ravens can fit them on without some kind of like interesting, like machinations. So I, I, I wish that, you know, you know, Warriors is so interesting because we, we thought he was a safety. Then he comes out and plays cornerback for like, you know, all of the second preseason game. And I thought he looked good in that role. And, you know, he, you know, between him and Westry, like two like really big guys who like are just like, kind of like, I don't know. They give you a different dimension out there. And, and I know that, you know, I mean, we can talk about the, the years in the future, but Marcus Peters, I think he has one more year after this one. We don't know what the long-term future with him is. Obviously Marlon Humphrey is going to be around for a long time, but you know, Avery could be gone. Jimmy Smith could be gone. Tavon Young could be gone. So some of these young guys who have a lot of potential, you know, you, you want to try and keep them if you can. And Warriors, one of those guys who's, who's really flashed at times. So, um, I, it's hard to find a, a spot for him. Um, every single time I look at the roster, he's the guy I kind of tend to leave out. But, you know, with the Sean Wade trade, you know, we can spend a minute talking about that. Um, I'm glad that, so I'm glad that they were able to get something back for him. I, I like the upside of the Sean Wade pick. Um, I thought he showed a lot of potential um, in his time at Ohio State, but I thought he was kind of someone, he was miscast. I think people expected him to be a slot cornerback. He, that that's not exactly the type of body that he has the type of like quick twitch player that you want in the NFL slot corner. I mean, maybe he could be match up against some bigger wide receivers in the slot, but um, I, I just didn't see exactly how he was going to fit on this team, especially with the depth we've talked about. Um, so I think, you know, they kind of let us know how much they like these other guys, whether that's our Darius Washington, whether that's like you said, you know, Geno stone, um, Chris Westry, obviously I think he's a lock to make the roster now. So, you know, I'm not sure how Warrior fits into this. He's someone who I think could potentially make it, but it's it's going to be tricky for him. Yeah, I'm surprised that John Wade didn't find his way to the IR. <laughs> um, that says a lot to me about what the Ravens think about him, the reasons why they may have drafted him, not being true to what they like, what they saw on tape, being what they got from him in the practice field 
just, you know, it, it goes beyond short-term fit because you've got a guy like Iman Marshall who also could have, you know, I, I mean, and maybe, you know, he's got more injuries and more history there. Um, so maybe less in terms of like future trade value, but a guy that has another year left. So they IR'd him right early, um, you know, very, very early in that process. I, I'm just surprised that the Ravens decided that Wade was a guy that they just didn't want in the system at all. That being said, the Texans seventh round pick is nearly a sixth round pick. If you think about it from the, that seventh pick that they got from New England. So it's a little better than New England seventh round pick or what would be New England second seventh round pick potentially next year. Um, and then you get the fifth back and the Ravens, you know, the other thing to remember is the Ravens have, I think, eight or nine draft picks next year. Th- this this process of the Ravens having too many guys that have been drafted in kind of the fifth ish round or sooner um, are are that that problem is not going away because they've got a third comp from Cully next year. They've got the Ngakawe and the Judon comp picks. Um, coming in as well, and I think they've got the tr- they've got another trade of a pick. Um, I think another fifth round pick, maybe. So either way, even if they don't, that's that's two fours and a three already. On top of that, coming into next year, this is an issue that's not going to go away. And so maybe the Ravens said there's not going to be space for a Sean Wade in a year from now anyway. So if we can get the fifth in two years, that actually works out better. Yeah, I mean that's definitely probably part of the part of like the calculus that went to this this trade, and I think it's kind of like the ability to recoup the value, you know. Um, and they they had a chance to evaluate him. They they had him in you know their locker room for however many months he was there, all through TAs, all through the rookie mini camp, all through training camp, through preseason games, and he wasn't someone who impressed enough to like jump over these other guys who just were a little bit better. So. They're just, I just think it's a numbers game. It's, um, you know, I, I wish him the best. Actually, New England, you know, you know, it's hard for me to say that because, <laughs> well, you know. Um, right. Anyway, um, I, I hope he does well in, in his career. So I think that the Ravens are, are in a good place um, with their cornerbacks, and they they just didn't have a spot for him. So um, yeah. Uh, there And there's no, you know, I, I think we want to see all these guys like, you know, in the same way that I was talking about Justice Hill, we want to see all these guys have a shot, uh, be successful. Um, you know, this, this Raven, we've talked about this in other podcasts and separately, uh, um, this, this Ravens roster from a depth perspective is deeper than it's been in a while. Um, and so it's, it's really, it's really nice to see. It feels like, you know, yeah, the, the injury to Fort really thins out inside linebacker, and we've got some questions at offensive tackle. But really, beyond that, for an NFL roster to not have to be all that worried about an injury, excuse me, an injury in in across the board in a lot of these positions is really a nice to have. Um, and you know, when I was talking to Ken, we were talking about the outside linebacker spot, and when you look at the six guys that are eligible to play outside linebacker. You know, you've got Hayes, who already plays on special teams. I think he's he's as close to a lock to being able to play, to be active because of that role there. Um, Houston, O.A., McPhee, Ferguson, and Bowser. That's somebody's going to be inactive on game day. Um, and, you know, Ken looks at it like a needing a guy that they can just, whoever is the least healthy, like being able to keep them fresh or even just being able to put these guys into a rotation where you kind of see McPhee and Houston being always active, but everybody else getting a week off from here or there, or schematically, if they're wanting to try and, you know, need more edge, you know, setters, you know, you're going to see OA more 
you're going to need more pass rush. Maybe you see, you know, maybe you see Ferguson more. Um, Bowser, obviously, also being in the group that will definitely play. Um, but it's it's an interesting position for the Ravens to be in to have such depth at, at so many different positions this upcoming year. Yeah, and you know, I t- I was on Twitter a little bit today talking about that exact thing with with the six outside linebackers. You know, last last year there were six outside linebackers for much of the season once we traded for Ngakwe, and. They, you know, they had basically one of Ferguson or Ward inactive on game day for, for pretty much most of the season. Um, for, you know, the Ravens were actually pretty healthy at outside linebacker aside from the couple COVID weeks. Um, so that's not always going to be the case. So I think it's good to have, you know, a little bit more depth there. It's an important position to have depth at, especially with how, you know, the Ravens, Wink Martindale likes to rotate that position. Um, and, and then the other thing that I think could be interesting is, because of the lack of inside linebacker depth, can you kind of make up for that with the outside linebacker depth? You know, can, you know, we've seen Bowser be someone who can play off the ball a little bit. I, th- I think Hayes can maybe do this too. Um, so maybe you can kind of like use them a little bit differently, maybe do some, even kind of like a four, three kind of look at times in, in your base defense, if you want to, um, you know, with like someone like Bowser being off the ball. So then maybe you don't need as much depth at inside linebacker because of what you can do with outside linebacker guys. You can drop into coverage. You can, you know, you know, set the edge. You can do a lot of different things, move around the formation. So I think there is some, some versatility at the linebacker position, not just inside and outside. Um, you know, and, and, you know, we talked about Chris Smith a little bit. Do you think he can make the roster or do you think it's like, it's not really possible for him? I mean, I think it's possible. It's, it's really just going to come down to who all is going to that short term IR, right? Like yeah. if, if Jimmy Smith, uh, you know, Bateman, let's say another wide receiver, um, all on end up on the short term IR and then maybe another guy or two that we didn't expect. Then I think he's back at least in the short term. Um, but he was a free agent pretty late in the game. So, the other thing is it's all also like, Hey, we'll give you a call if, and when we need you, um, you know, before you sign with somebody else, let us know because we'll yeah. see if we can fit you in or whatever that might look like. You know, I think a guy like Smith is probably not going to take a practice squad job at this point. Kind of like, I think the Ravens cut Jordan Richards for that same reason. He's not going to, he's not going to sit on someone's practice squad at this point. Um, so he wanted a chance to either latch on or be kind of one of the first names out there. I like what we saw from Chris Smith and I, I, you know, I liked what I had seen from Chris Smith when he played a little bit in Washington. Um, So, you know, I think he's, he's an interesting guy that should remain on the Ravens radar. But again, is from a talent perspective and a depth perspective, wrong, wrong year, wrong position for the Ravens this, this go around. Yeah. And I don't think they knew that they were going to sign Justin Houston when they signed Chris Smith, like a few days earlier, it was kind of like, you know, he's someone that we, we like, because, you know, I think they, did they bring them in at the same time? No, they brought in Chris Smith I, afterwards. And, and, and they, no, they brought in Chris Smith first by, by I want to say by four or five weeks. Wait, you mean Houston first? No, Chris Smith first. Well, I, mean, I know they brought in Houston like way back, and then he did. Oh, you sign. mean you mean to work out? I'm sorry. Yeah, I thought you yeah. meant I, when you said brought in. I thought brought into the team. Oh, yes, well, I mean it was yeah, a you're correct. quick turnaround between they signed Chris Smith and then like a week later they signed Justin Houston. Um, so because I remember making a joke about you know the Chris, the Chris Smith era this come to an end very quickly, <laughs> um, but and, you know he's he's done more than I was expecting him to do. So I was give him props for you know actually looking like he he could bring something he could be like that pass rush guy who comes in and plays a little bit of like the defensive tackle he's kind of got that build where he's got that quick twitch um long arms like he's he's not going to beat you really off the edge but he can kind of you know beat you inside with a quick swim move that kind of thing so i think he has some upside to him but it's 
he would probably have a pretty minimal role, even if he was on the roster. Yeah, I, I think he's he's an interesting potential guy. Um, he's probably the most the most unfortunate guy in, in kind of this whole roster crunch that is just like, you know, they're just not going to make space for him both short term and longer term. When you, when you draft Hayes and OA, um, I think, and, and sign Bowser to the deal that you did, you also have an eye on the future and there's not a spot for that in, in the long term either. Whereas for Washington and warrior um, and Westry, when you look ahead, you, you kind of see a little bit of clouds in that crystal ball. And so it makes a lot more sense to hold on to those guys at this stage. So, all right. Well, I don't know. Do you have anyone else that you want to talk about um, before we kind of move into the our no, next well, phase here? You know, we may see some things change a little bit in this last preseason game. You know, whether whether we get some more updates on health. Hopefully, hopefully, you know, hopefully each of these Ravens players that are a little banged up over the next couple of weeks get back to practice. Once the reporters are off the field and aren't reporting and the Ravens really want to start to work into start getting into game planning and scheme. That's when you see all these guys come back on the field. I'm totally okay with that at this point and, and hopefully knock on wood, they're all healthy. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the number one thing that we want to see going into week one is, is getting all the guys who've been, you know, missing some time. We want them to be back hundred percent. We don't want anybody else to get injured. And I think, you know, be as close to hundred percent healthy as you can in week one. That's the goal for sure. Yeah, definitely. So we thought we'd round out this podcast with a little bit of a little bit of a fun exercise. And, and um, Gabe has kind of pulled up a few over unders that we think are interesting. Some betting lines that are in Vegas. Um, we're going to give our thoughts on these and and maybe throw them out there to you guys on Twitter. Um, you know, once we get this podcast up and live um, and get some feedback from you guys about whether or not you think these things are reasonable. And, and we're here for for some super hot takes, right, Gabe? <laughs> I don't know how hot take these will be. Maybe a couple of them will be. Um, but, you know, it's always interesting because Vegas, you know, they have a way of knowing like a lot of the time how, how, how things are. And they really put a number where it's kind of like, oh, that really makes you think a little bit. Um, but, you know, so let's just start with the Ravens as a team. Um, and, you know, they have Super Bowl odds. I think they have like the sixth or seventh best odds in the NFL. They're at uh, plus 1400. So, um that's you know obviously you get 14 to 1 um so i, I mean I, I think that's a pretty good pretty good bet you know if, if you feel good about this ravens team like we do um you, you know they have an equal odds to win the conference it's plus 700 so they're saying you know there's a good chance to pretty good chance to win the afc and then if they go to the super bowl they would be like basically even from that so um do you, do you like either of those bets? I mean, do you think they're undervalued, overvalued at those numbers? Yeah, I think that that's right. I mean, these are these are always tough because even if you were, even if you think Kansas City is the favorite and you, uh, what are they, like plus 400 right now? Yeah, I think they're like 450. Yeah, plus 450. Like, I, I don't ever have a good, like, I, you know, I, I would, I think you cannot do anything but pick Kansas City to be the favorite to repeat a Super Bowl, you know, just because. Um, and at plus 450, I'm like, I, I, I don't really have a good sense. I don't really have an idea. You know, to me, the question is like at plus 1400, if I'm going to put a hundred bucks down, I think that's pretty, a pretty good return for a team that has a decent shot at getting to the Super Bowl. I think that if the Ravens can get out of their own way, Kansas City is the team that stands in between them. And I think that I, I, I find the NFC to be overwhelmingly underwhelming, <laughs> um, as, as a conference this year. I think the AFC is vastly superior. 
Um, and so I think that if they can get there, then they're going to have a pretty good shot at winning that Super Bowl. So, um, you know, I think in, in that sense, I, I like them at plus 1400, but I think that's probably about right. It's, it, I'd be willing to bet it, but I think it's right. So the Ravens are also plus 120 to win the division. So that me, I think I'm, I, I didn't look at the Browns. I'm not sure where the Browns are. I think it's probably pretty close for both of them. Um, I think that is, you know, I think that's a, probably an almost a better bet in terms of likelihood. I mean, obviously in likelihood of happening, but like you're making money. I mean, it's better than even odds. And I think the Ravens are better than even odds to win the, the division. Honestly, like I, I know that there's a lot of Browns hype out there, but I just, I don't know. I can't see, I think the way the teams match up and head to head, I like the Ravens in that matchup. And I think they have similar strengths of schedules. I think the Browns are probably a little bit easier in strength of schedule, but you know, overall it's, I think that's a, that's a, that's a bet I would make for sure. The only thing that scares me about that bet is that the Ravens, and I don't understand how the NFL could do this because this seems wholly unfair. The Ravens play Cleveland over yeah. a three week stretch twice where Cleveland gets the buy in between and Baltimore has to play Pittsburgh in between. Yeah. That's so true. essentially Cleveland gets to play Baltimore two weeks in a row with a week off to game plan in between there. So it's absolutely critical that Baltimore wins that first game. I can't remember which one's home and which one's on the road. I think the first it's, one's home. Thank God. It's a total scam. I like that. That is, it, it's an absolute, like the notion that that can happen to any team, like any team in the NFL should be outraged at kind of like that iteration where one team essentially is going to get four weeks or three full, three full weeks to prep for the same team the entire time. Um, it's such a competitive disadvantage and one that could, could tilt the scale in terms of who wins the division. That being said, I'm much higher on the Ravens than probably most people are into this upcoming year. I think they are definitively the second best team in the AFC. I think they're better than the bills. I think it's not particularly close. I think Josh Allen is going to regress um, and we're going to see something a little more in between what we saw in year two from him um, and, and year three. And I think that's going to leave the door. And, and I think the, the Dolphins and the Patriots are going to both be better than they were last year. That's going to leave the door open for the Ravens to kind of be able to take advantage there. Um, the Ravens also have somewhat of a soft schedule to kind of get started. So we'll find out whether or not this team does or doesn't have the juice. But I like that. I like that a lot at plus 120. And if you're really into the betting action, taking your hedge in the second Cleveland game, you know, if things at that point seem like they're going in the wrong direction, because that's the that's the game that'll tip the tip the scale of the um, division in their favor. Yeah, I, I agree with you. So are, are you saying that the league might have figured out Josh Allen? Oh, uh, yeah. I, I, you know, I, they may maybe they got a chance to catch up to him. You know, we'll, we'll see. Um uh, these, these guys don't get caught up to. I think that Josh Allen's going to get in his own way. I think he's not. I, I, I think Dable, the league may have caught up to some of Dable's schemes. And if, if they decide that they want to run the ball as much or run the ball as little as they did last year, Josh Allen's eventually going to pay the price physically and the team from a performance perspective too. Yeah. That, to me, that's so I know this, we're not really here to talk about the bills, but that, that's the one thing that I think is kind of a big Achilles heel for them. I don't think they can run the ball. And and most teams that are good can run the ball. Like that's kind of a, a, a consistent theme across like the better teams in the NFL. And maybe they don't have to be like the Ravens running the ball or they, they don't have to be, you know, like, you know, the San Francisco 49ers. But most of the better teams are 
actually do run the ball a little bit. And like last year, the outliers were the Bills and the Steelers, the Steelers who couldn't run the ball at all. The Bills also couldn't run the ball at all. That didn't get talked about because of how good Josh Allen managed to be. Um, But, you know, we don't have to go down that that road anymore, but I think it's something that's interesting and it's kind of, kind of counterintuitive to how, what we think about the league and like the modern NFL, it's how it's a passing league and all that. But if you look at the like statistics, so most of the better teams are really efficient when they run the ball. So I think that's something the Ravens have going for them for sure. Well, that's the question for these bets of who do you think can win the division? Who do you think can win the conference? Who do you think can win the Super Bowl? Are there opportunities to discount teams that, that Vegas really likes, right? Like, are they wrong about Kansas City? Are they wrong about Green Bay? Are they wrong about Buffalo? Those are really, and, and potentially Cleveland. Like, those are the, the four teams that are probably in the conversation right there, you know, with the Ravens right now as potentially being ahead of them. So if you think that Vegas is wrong on one of them, then there's good money in, in kind of some of these return for you. Um, overall also i believe the ravens get green bay as well so the ravens are, yeah, yeah so the ravens are going to get green bay cleveland and kansas city of that bunch um to play this year so we'll we'll know a lot by the time we get to the playoffs yep um and and seattle right wait no not seattle do we play seattle no no no, no it wasn't seattle i, I was confused because we play the rams but that's like a weird like week 17 game um okay so moving on to the next one so this one's interesting to make the playoffs, the Ravens are minus 310, yes, to make the playoffs, which I think that's also a really good bet. I mean, because that means you can obviously get in three wild cards. So that's that's why it's, you know, so heavily favored towards the yes. The no is plus 260. I, don't, I would be shocked if the Ravens didn't make the playoffs this year. So that's, to me, I mean, it's not a great odds, but it's kind of like free money to, to put that bet in. Yeah, I, I mean... The only the only issue with taking a bet that you're kind of giving away minus three hundred is if Lamar Jackson gets hurt, yep. the 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 chances of that happening drop precipitously. Do you, do you know by offhand what Kansas City's number was for this? I didn't see that one. No. I would imagine um, it's probably like minus like seven hundred or something like like that. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, that one almost feels like it's better money to me. It, 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 the the challenge is. So I probably would not take the minus 310 bet and I wouldn't bless, bet the plus 260 for the Ravens either um, to not make the playoffs. But you want to be betting a team. You want to be betting on a team that you're pretty sure is going to win the division. So, like, you know, I, I just took a big dump on the Bills, but the Bills are probably whatever their playoff percentage chance is, is probably much like a much safer bet, even at a, a bigger percentage loss, um, because I think they just have a much better crack at potentially winning that division. Yeah, I, I think you're probably right about that. This is, I mean, that's the one thing with the Ravens. They are in a, a tough division. And even the teams that, you know, we think might take a step back this year, like like the, the Steelers probably aren't be a 12-win team like they were last year, but I still think they're probably like a 9- or 10-win team. Um, they still have a defense that's going to let them, you know, be solid at, at the very minimum. And even, and their offense, offensive line is looking better than I think anybody anticipated to. Um, so they might actually be a little frisky. Um, but, yeah, moving on to the last one for the Ravens, um, this, the over under for total wins is set at 11, which is one of the higher over unders. I think in the NFL, there's probably like two or three other teams that are 11 or higher. Um, I think the chiefs are the highest at 12.5. Um, but then the Ravens are right there behind them. So I think 11 is a good number. I mean, obviously last year they won 11 the year before that, they won 14. I think this, and they could have won more than that last year, by the way, I think we all in agreement with that. Um, the, it's interesting because the under is juiced here. So it's under, at the 120 minus 120. So that's saying that Vegas is kind of like leaning towards the under, right? So um, that's a little interesting to me. I think that might've been different, you know, a few weeks ago. So 
it's inter- interesting to say that you have better odds to take the over 11 for the Ravens, which I think is a pretty good bet as well. I think that might even be a better bet than it is the one plus 120 to win the division. Yeah, I would. Well, you and I are most likely going to be in Vegas for opening weekend. This is a line that I would hammer. I mean, I think that the Ravens are, I think the if you look at, I look at it from last year's perspective. One, they won 11 games in what was a pretty minus an injury to Lamar, like a pretty worst case scenario in a lot of ways for the entirety of that Ravens team. They still managed to win 11 games. All kinds of weird stuff happened right on the year. You add another game to the schedule, so you get another opportunity to win. This year's schedule is a little bit more challenging than last year's schedule was, I think. Last year's schedule was relatively easy because you had the NFC, you had the the Redskins, or the Washington football team, Eagles division, Cowboys division, and you got Cowboys post-DAC. Um, so, so that made it a little bit easier, but I think I, this Ravens team is going to be really, really, really good. This is a top three defense. I think you've got Lamar Jackson, and if Lamar Jackson is anything, anything on the spectrum of closer to 2019 than he was to what he was in 2020, and the progress that we keep hearing about his ability to throw, tightening up his mechanics, and like widening his base to kind of tighten some of those spirals sound, like... I think 11 is, I, I think they're going to blow by 11. And I think that it's, it's reasonable to think that they could win. They could win over, like be more like the over under at the 12 and a half line being more reasonable. I, I think they could definitely win 13 games this year. That wouldn't surprise me at all. Um, and, and I think the, the over on 11 is, is kind of a, is a, to me, it's like a lock. I, I, there's no, I, I see very small probability of them 10 and seven or worse. Like that to me would shock me, shock me. Yeah, that that I don't think that's going to happen. So, um, so that's pretty much it for the Ravens. Uh, there's a few in- interesting player bets I wanted to look at. So Lamar Jackson MVP is plus sixteen hundred. So that's almost the same as like the Ravens Super Bowl odds. Um, I think that's a decent number. It's I would have liked it more around like plus two thousand, but I think if you know if the Ravens do become a 13-14 win game and Lamar Jackson has the kind of season that he had two years ago, um, that that's not a bad bet either. I think that if the Ravens win the Super Bowl, there's a good chance that Lamar Jackson also won the MVP. So I think that you can you can kind of choose between these um, because because if they win the Super Bowl, I think it means that they're rolling and things are you know really working well on a lot of different levels. So I like the plus sixteen hundred a lot better than the plus fourteen hundred. I also think that you can get MVP votes to get a little split up. I think there's could be some potential Patrick Mahomes fatigue. Um, but you know, you, and you run into that issue with Allen and Mahomes kind of being your, your primary competition, um, you know, on the AFC side of, of being real threats, obviously you've got Rogers and a couple other quarterbacks on the a- NFC side. I really like this bet. I think that I really like Lamar Jackson, obviously. Um, I think he's going to have, I think he's going to post a huge year. I think last year was the, on the bottom end of the spectrum of what you would expect. And I think when you look back to 2019, that is not the top end of what, the performance from Lamar Jackson could be. He could have thrown the ball better. They could have been schematically. They could have been better. There are ways that, that the Ravens could scale this up. And the upside of Lamar Jackson is way higher than what we've already seen, even from Allen and Mahomes. I think we've already seen the top end of what, what those guys are going to give you. I think we have not even come close to seeing what that's going to look like for Lamar Jackson. 
So let me give you three uh, more like number specific, uh, stat specific numbers for Lamar Jackson. Then, so his passing yards total over under is three thousand four fifty point five, and it's juiced to the over at minus one fifteen. The rushing yards total is nine forty five and a half, also one minus one fifteen to the over, and then the passing touchdown total is twenty five and a half, and that's juiced to the under at minus one twenty. I think the passing touchdown total over and the passing yards total over might be really good bets especially the passing touchdown total. The yards is a little harder because I think we're expecting him to pass a little bit more. That's why I think that 3,400 is kind of right where I would project him. So I wouldn't avoid that one. But the passing touchdown at 25 and a half, that's like an obvious, obvious bet to me, especially if, the, if you're getting odds on it. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, I would take the over on all these. I mean, look, I, I, I'm basically sitting here telling you to go put, you know, 50 bucks on Lamar Jackson to win MVP so you can win $800 because I think it, I think it's a really good bet. Right. So obviously, I think he's going to he's going to beat kind of all of these, you know, all these numbers kind of overall. I think the thing that really jumps out to me about this is I actually think that rushing total is low if you add in a 17th game. Mm-hmm. Um and so the only risk I think that you have of him not rushing for more than 950 yards ultimately ends up being if he's sitting for the last couple of weeks of the year. Um, and I'm trying to remember what are the, do you re- I think it's Green Bay is the second to last game on the schedule. Do you, re- do you remember offhand? I, I don't have that in front of me. Yeah. Um, so I think that's the, that's the risk, but that's the other thing to remember about Jackson's MVP and total numbers. When you go back to 2019, he did not play in week 16 of that year. And he didn't play in the fourth quarter of like three or four other games. Yeah. He basically put those stats up in in the equivalent of what was a 14 game season. So I think given that and adding the extra game on the other side of this, the upside of Lamar being able to take all of these down is pretty reasonable. So I think that the, the Lamar is probably going to play all, all 17 games. This, I mean, because I, th- I think it's going to be kind of tight at the top of the AFC. I think there's going to be several teams that are going to be in the 12, 13 win area, right where I expect the Ravens to be. So I think they're going to be fighting for seeding probably all the way down the, the line. Um, and I'm just looking at the schedule now. So weeks 17, so that's the 16th game, um, they're playing the Rams. Um, that should be a good game. And then the 17 week 17 game is Steelers. So those are going to be games that I think, uh, I mean, unless things are like really settled by week 17, I, I think he's going to probably play throughout the whole season. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, those are going to be, those are going to be big time games. And, you know, thinking about that from a betting perspective, you're also going to be sweating out some of these overs if, if yeah. you bet them when you get to those two teams because they both got good defenses. So that, that'll be kind of fun to watch if you're in on any of that action. So there's a, there's a couple more player props I thought were interesting. We don't have too much time here, but um, let's start with uh, Dobbins um, because, you know, he, he is at nine rush touchdowns over under and then 1,050 and a half yards. Um he hit 10 touchdowns last year. Am I correct about that? That's correct. It's hard for me to see him getting less than that. I know he kind of had like a good streak at the end of the season, but this is going to be a high scoring offense. Dobbins is going to get a lot of touches around the goal line. I know he's going to split some of them with Edwards and we can actually look at Edwards too. Cause I think his numbers are even more appealing. Edwards over under touchdowns is four and a half and his rushing over under is 600.5. I think he's going to sail by both of those numbers quite easily. Yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> 
Let me let me let me take my purple colored glasses off here for a second. <laughs> and, and you know, I, I totally agree. We we were talking about this with Huddle Up, Jason um, from Huddle It Up Films, and and I said that I thought that there's a uh, there's a chance that the Ravens with the 17th game this year are going to be a team with three thousand yard rushers on them. Um, I think that I think Dobbins is a lock to get there. I think Edwards, if he gets the touches, is going to get there. And I think Lamar is a lock to get there. Um, so I think like all these offensive numbers should be kind of pushed up in that range. And I think I think people are counting out the Ravens a little bit because of I, I mean, I, I don't really know why I'm not I'm not really going to get into kind of my thoughts about what that is. But um, if you look at last season as well, you had the covid game where essentially everybody didn't play. And you had the Patriots game where they were playing in an absolute downpour. And I believe the Ravens had the third most points in the AFC last year. And they were just a whopping five points behind Kansas City, despite having, you know, the burdens of the COVID game and the rain game. Um, so that means that, like, let's say those games went off closer to normal and the Ravens scored closer to their 25 points per game average. That's another 50 points that, or another 40 points the Ravens would have put up overall um, as a result of all that. So it's just really hard for me to see a scenario where you've improved the offensive line and you've improved all these things around the system. And for a lot of these guys not to blow by all the numbers that you're talking about. Yeah. I mean, the rushing totals might be deflated because Vegas is expecting the Ravens to be passing a little bit more. That might be where that comes from. But to me, like it's pretty clear that, you know, I think the the Ravens are still going to run the ball at least as much as they as they pass. It's, it's probably going to be closer to a maybe a fifty fifty a slight maybe like a fifty two forty eight slightly towards passing. But I think it's still going to be it, they're still going to be right up there with the league leaders in rushing the ball, and they have a team that's you know getting five plus yards per carry like over the past two years. I don't see that's going to how it's going to stop like they're still going to be extremely effective when they do run the ball. So and that, and that's why they're going to keep running it because they're good at it. So. It's, you know, these are, these are kind of easy money for me. Like I would love to place these bets, um, on, on the running backs for the overrunners across the board. Um, where'd you, where do uh, you, anyone out there listening, where'd you pull these, uh, where'd these you pull are these draft Kings? Yeah. Uh, I, I looked at a few other spots and they're, they're all pretty similar. Um, but, yes. um, yeah, I think, you know, there's a, let's, we're, we're going to try and keep this conversation going on Twitter. Maybe throw a few more of these over-unders out there at you guys, try and get your feedback for everybody listening about what you think about these. So you guys can chime in on them. You guys can throw some other over-unders at us that you think might be interesting for the Ravens. Um, we'd love to keep this conversation going and, uh, and, and we hope to do that. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's getting exciting. We're almost there. Uh, I, I'm, 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 for lack of a better term, I'm, I feel like I'm, I'm getting a little blue balls for the Ravens here in the sense that, you know, we, we just cannot, like, we haven't seen anything from them. And, and we all we're hearing is kind of stories out of camp, but there's there's not been a lot of meaningful kind of tangible progress for us as fans to see. And so um, I, I'm super psyched for week one. I know Gabe, you and I are trying to get out there for the game. Um, hopefully we'll see some of you guys out there. Um, you know, we'd see some of you gals out there too. It, it should be a lot of fun, um, you know, for week one in Las Vegas, um, with the Raiders. And I think that, I think it's going to be a good game for the Ravens. Um, overall, I think Gabe, you, you told me what the line, what's the line in that game? I think the last I saw the Ravens were favored by four and a half, which I know they're on the road. I know it's like the opening, is it Allegiant stadium? Is that what it's called? Allegiant. It's like yeah. Opening night for that for that stadium. I think there's going to be a lot of Ravens fans there though. And I, I like Jordan said, I'm looking for, 
if we're there, I hope that we can meet up with some of you guys um, and gals. Um, and just, I think there's going to be, a, even if you're not like in the stadium, there's going to be a lot of Ravens fans around Vegas. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a lot of, you know, it's opening weekend. It's always a great time to be in Vegas. It, you know, there's so much NFL action going on. So looking forward to that for sure. Yeah. So thanks everybody for tuning in. Like I said, we're going to try and keep this going on Twitter. So keep an eye out. Um, I'm at Raven sit room. He's at Gabe Fergie. Um, thanks for tuning in tonight. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early. So everyone can go home on time. There's Granger offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts. So you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.